speak some time, there was a discussion about writing you out your testimony. And uh, if you're interested in some guidelines for that, I have these here. Everybody's really eager to write your testimony until I give them the guidelines and then, <laughs> then it all goes away. Anybody want one? Okay, I'm gonna draft you after services. And then um, you can just uh, throw away the sheets I gave you last week. It, it is the same thing, but uh, I've elaborated on it some more. And so we want to, we're, what we're doing today is, um, and for the next three weeks, um, talking about this um, conflict that's going on in the Middle East that's been going on for a long time, but got heated up a little more and uh, try to make some sense of it. We had a former member here last week and she was really thanking me for the lesson because a lot of times there's confusion uh, and if you listen to the world or listen to um, the, the uh, news the poor Palestinians and actually uh, they are poor Palestinians because the majority of them are just caught in the crossfires the collateral damage but the motives of Hamas and the Palestinian state is or not. And sometimes there's a lot of confusion. And so uh, we want to begin again this morning in Genesis, way back in Genesis chapter 12. God gives a covenant with Abraham called Abram at that time. And... Uh, we see a number of things about that. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, so before that, you can see the summary of that in verses 31 and 32 above, God had told him to leave the earth of the Chaldees, and he told him to get away from his kindred. They were idol worshipers. And uh, they left, but he left with his father, and with his brother, uh, Haran, and they only went so far, and they stayed there, and God comes again, and he's going to remind him, I want you to get completely separated from your family members, and the only one he didn't separate was from was Lot, and Lot is going to end up causing him great heartache. But now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And so God never changed his mind. He comes back and tells him again. And I'll make of thee, the, here's the covenant. I will, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We'll, we'll note this again, but I want you to see here in verse 1, the Lord says, I will. In verse 2, he says, I will make of thee a great nation. He says, I will bless thee. And then in verse 3, and, and I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And so the Lord uh, over and over says, I will. And then down in verse 7, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to thy seed will I give the land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And so, so the Lord is the one saying that he's going to do those things. Now last week we took a, a, the first part of the lesson just to talk to you about uh, some of the misconceptions about the conflict in the Middle East 
And we saw, saw that it's not about the land, less than two-tenths of one percent of what Israel controls is, is Arab territory, and it's not Arab territory, it's theirs. It's not about the people of Palestine, uh, the Palestinians being uprooted from their, from their land. The Palestinians are no different than any other Arabs. It wouldn't be any different from one person living in, in, uh, in Oregon and another in California. They're not different. They're all United States citizens. And so it's not about them being displaced. It's not about a Palestinian state. Uh, in fact, uh, we have there on page three that in 1947, uh, the United Nations offered to make a Palestinian state and the Arabs refused. It's not about being refugees. Uh, there are actually Arabs today who are full-pledged citizens in Israel, and uh, they're not refugees, and, and they offered the, all of them citizenships. It's not about apartheid. It's not about destroying the land. It's about hatred, and we uh, read a verse there to you in the middle of page four, how that when Isaac, uh, how that when Ishmael was born 13 years before Isaac, this is what the angel of the Lord said to Hagar in 1611 of Genesis. Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy afflictions and he'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And so, the nature, it seems as though, uh, not that they can't be saved, but it seems as though their nature is the war. And what's been going on in Syria, this is not the, 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 the warfare that's constantly in Syria. It's not uh, one uh, nationality against another nationality or, or one people group would be a better way to say it against another people group. But it's Arabs fighting Arabs. Arabs fighting Arabs, Arabs fighting Arabs, and, and they're a war-like people, uh, not across the board, for they can be saved. And then, so we begin to break down what was said in, uh, in the covenant, and he promised them a, a land. And uh, details of that were given. Uh, let's go to, I better not summarize this too much, but in Genesis 15, he gave the boundaries, and you can see in the little map on page 5 that it goes all the way from what belongs to Israel goes all the way from the Nile River over to the Euphrates River, which includes Jordan, it includes, it includes Syria, uh, it includes Lebanon, and they have never ever come to a place where they controlled that land, what they controlled you can see there at the bottom, and that was during the time when they were very prominent when, when David and Sol Solomon were in power. Um, and then he tells them that he's going to make them a great nation. Um, there on page six. Also, uh, you know, I've just been ignorant a, a lot about Israel, but on that map, you can see the West Bank control. It's, a, it's about a, th a third of what Israel is and then the Gaza Strip. And so uh, they have, they've, they've made concession after concession after concession. And then uh, I think it's an interesting verse at the bottom of the page seven. Um, the Lord said, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. Talking about the, the, uh, the, the uh, tides of the ocean. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, that is, if the sun ceases to come up, and the sun and the moon and the stars ceases to come out at night, and the, and the tides quit. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured 
and the foundation of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel, for all they have done, saith the Lord. And so one of the great testimonies of the Bible is true, and God is true, as we had a quote there at the top of that page, is that the Jews have survived being even dispossessed of the land. And so uh, this morning we come to uh, the, 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 the land, but he also, one of the things he said, he's going to make his name great. He said, I'll bless thee and make thy name great. And so actually, actually Abraham is recognized by a true religion, Christianity, is recognized by Islam, and, and it's recognized uh, by uh, the Jews. But, so his name has been great, and we, and we read here, uh, Abraham was promised personal blessings. He was given great wealth and prominence. Over 308 times he's mentioned in the Bible. He's called the spiritual father of all who believe in Romans 4.11. And so sometimes he's related to as spiritually saved people or his children, but also he's related to as the father of the Jewish people. He is held in high esteem by the Jews and Arabs and Christians, though wrongly by the Jews. Even when the Lord talked about paradise, he talked about Abraham's bosom. And then uh, one of the promises there is that in thee will all the nations of the earth be blessed. And I will make, and he said, and from my kindred, and from my house, and I'll make thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Well, how was he a blessing? Well, if we go over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and let's note verse 7 through 9. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when we knew not God, he did, he did service unto them which by nature are no God. That's not the verse. I mean, oh, that sounds like chapter 4, doesn't it? Okay, <laughs> chapter 3 and verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeth that God would justify the heathen through faith, preaching before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with Abraham. And then go down to verse 14. The, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then down to verse 29. And if he be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so when he talks about through his seed, that's singular. And that's through the seed Jesus Christ. That we're blessed. And so, listen, listen, if the Abrahamic covenant has failed, then we don't have a Savior. He, but we do have a Savior. And he, he, and he came through the lineage of Jesus Christ. When you go to, when you go to Matthew chapter 1, it gives the genealogy of Christ at the very beginning. And it's interesting. It says the son of David, and it says the son of Abraham. Well, Abraham was before David. Why didn't it give it in chronological order? Well, because Matthew is a book that talks about Jesus being king, and David was king. But it went right back to Abraham, and that is, he descended from Abraham. Now, uh, there's also the, the blessing there that, that he, he said, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We're going to look at this more in depth as we go on, but listen. We don't stand with Israel as a nation because they're godly people. Christians are being spit on in the streets of Jerusalem. 
they're, they're ungodly. There's a great majority that are atheists. Much of the American film industry was produced filthy films are controlled by the Jews. And so, so we don't stand with Israel because they're godly. They need to be saved. Their, their hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But we stand with Israel because God has promised when we do stand with them, we'll be blessed. That they are his people. He's not through with them. He's going to use them. And you just, just look down the line and you'll see that those people who have stood, those nations that have stood with Israel, have been blessed. Now, I think you can get a little sense of what's going on on our campuses and even in, the, in Washington, D.C., that this thinking about Israel is turning. And America, morally, is not what it was in 1947 when Israel became a nation. And we're having problems in America, aren't we? God's judgment, I got too many rabbits to chase, but uh, when you look at history, when you look at prophecy, you don't see America mentioned in prophecy. There's a good possibility that America is going to be bankrupt, spiritually and physically. And there's no need to mention them. They're not any power. They're done. And so, the necessity to preach the word. Now, I want to look at this um, this covenant and the nature of it on page nine. It's an unconditional covenant, and as we pointed out to you, uh, he said, "I will, I will, I will," and then will I? Lest some might think that somehow Israel has voided the covenant of God made with Abraham through disobedience, the worship of idols. It's important to understand that the nature of the covenant God made with Abraham was unconditional. God attached no conditions of if you will, then I will to this covenant. And uh, note the uh, colored section. A covenant is an agreement with two parties. It's kind of like a contract. There are two basic types of covenants, conditional and unconditional. A conditional or bilateral covenant is an agreement that is binding on both parties for its fulfillment. Both parties agree to fulfill certain conditions. If either party fails to meet that responsibility, the covenant is broken, and neither party has to fulfill the expectation of the covenant. An unconditional or unilateral covenant is an agreement between two parties, but only one of the two parties has to do something. Nothing is required of the other party. The Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. The actual covenant is found in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The ceremony is recorded in Genesis chapter 15. And so let's go there to Genesis chapter 15. And let's pick up in verse 18. Genesis 15, 18. Well, let's... Uh, Oh, let's begin in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and no one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not, this Eliezer shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and the she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid them in pieces, one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down from the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. He's talking about going into Egypt. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for 400 years. And that took place. And also that nation whom they shall, who they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And they did. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, and the iniquity of the Ammonites is not yet full. And it shall come to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark, and behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. And so the custom of that day was when, when, when two parties was wanting to make a contract with each other, then to seal that contract, they would kill some animals and there would be uh, part, half, of, half of a beef on one side, half on another side. Half of a sheep, half of a sheep. When they had the birds, they didn't divide them. They put a few birds over here and a few birds over here. And then both of these parties would come together and, and walk. Oh, my little stick men are really nice here. They would walk through this, through these split animals, signifying... That if I break the contract, I should forfeit my life. Well, when this took place, God put a deep sleep upon Abraham. And the burning, burning, fiery stuff that's going through there is God. He comes through here. But Abraham doesn't go through. Because the Abrahamic covenant... Jesus Christ becoming our Savior is all of God. That Abraham could not do nothing. The nation of Israel could not do anything to void the Abrahamic covenant. It's unconditional. Which says this, Israel will have their land. Israel will come back and be a great nation. No matter what they do, and they've done a lot of wrong. And so it's, it's unconditional. Now, let's talk a little bit about, uh, and I, I didn't, uh, uh, well, uh, one thing I want to say is that, uh, oh, we'll get there. Uh, maybe, let me see what time it is. Okay, I got a lot of time. I got a lot of rabbits to chase. All right, let's get this perspective of Islam versus the Bible at the bottom of the page. Genesis 12 begins the story of Abraham, then called Abram, and his barren wife Sarah. Verse 1 through 4 record God's first words to him about a homeland for his offspring. Even though the gift of the son is not directly mentioned in this communication, God hinted at his plan for Abram. Abraham was 75 years old when he first received the promise. And Genesis 21, 5 tells us he was 100 years old when Isaac was born. 
Sarah was 90. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for the fulfillment of God's promise. And so in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old. Now, before you get all cranked out of shape and say, how can anybody have kids at 75? You need to understand that he lived to be, I got it in here, but like 135. And we could talk about that, why people live longer, but uh, I can't chase all the rabbits. So he's 75 years old, and when Isaac is born, He's 100. Now, for 25 years, as Sarah would come into her cycle and actually, eventually, no longer have a cycle, she's beyond bearing. And God's going to return to her the ability to produce eggs. But all this time, they're believing God. They're wanting this to happen. But month after month after month after month, when Sarah had her periods, no child. Disappointed. In the 25 years between the time Abraham was promised a son and the birth of Isaac, Abram and Sarah had certain ideas how they might facilitate the keeping of the promise. Now there's a lesson for us. God doesn't need to be helped to keep his promises. One was that Abraham's steward, Eliezer, would become the heir of Abraham's household. And we just read about that. Another idea was that Abraham could have a son, have an heir through a son conceived by Sarah's slave, Hagar. If you look over there in chapter 16. In chapter 16 and verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Well, he did. And Ishmael was born. In chapter 16 and verse 4. And, went, and he went into Hagar. He, and he went in unto Hagar. And she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived. Her mistress was despised in her eyes. Well the baby's born. Sarai doesn't like this disrespect. And verse 6, But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand to do as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And so she runs. In verse 9, The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself into her hands. And actually the term Muslim means to Submit. In verse 12, it predicts what we just read, that he's going to be a wild man. The firstborn of Abram in the colored section will become a wild donkey of a man. That's the meaning of that wild man. He won't be a people person. His hand will be against everyone and everyone will be against him. He will live in hostility to his kinsmen. Eventually, we will learn that Ishmael's descendants become the Arabic people. These cultures have been at odds with the Jewish people for millenniums. 
The descendants of Ishmael soon take on a Bedouin lifestyle on the fringes of society, committed to their personal freedom above the need to be accepted by others. When Abraham is 99 years old and Ishmael is 13 years old, God appears to Abraham and he rehearses the covenant again and he institutes circumcision. Abraham doubts that he can have a child. In verses 17 through 22, Ishmael would not be the one with whom God would establish his covenant. He says very clearly, I'm not going to establish my covenant with him. And um, God promises, well, let's go over there to chapter 17 and verse 20. And... And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee, behold, I've blessed him. Abraham, Abraham said, well, can it be Ishmael? And God said, no, it's not going to be that. And he said, I've, I've heard your concern for Ishmael. Behold, I've blessed him, and I'll make of him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be get, and I will make him a great nation. And the... And the is the Arab people were a great nation. But you'll notice that he will not promise them any land. And in verse 21, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time next year. And so a year later, he's born. And when he's born, in chapter 21, now, now Ishmael at 13 years old, begins to mock Isaac and uh, God has him sent away and she, she, she uh, uh, in, in time she has Ishmael in uh, 21 and 21 Ishmael uh, let's see is it 21 21 Yeah, in twenty-one, twenty-one, and he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Now, here's what, here's some of the things the Muslims believe. I guess I should have went on here. Um, so Isaac, so it's interesting. Um, Abraham dies. I mean, Sarah dies and in chapter 25. This is, this is very interesting to me. In chapter 25, verse 10, And the field which Abraham purchased of his sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after his death of Abraham that God blessed his sons, and Isaac dwelt by the well. Um, let's see, 25, 10, 11. Oh, I didn't get the right verse. I'm sorry. I'm, I hope this is not become bogged down here. But what what you'll find is that both Ishmael and Isaac was at the funeral. Now, Muslims believe it was Ishmael that Abraham took to sacrifice and not Isaac. And three times they used to say that Abraham tried to cut his throat. Muslims believe that through Ishmael came the prophet Muhammad. Muslims believe that after Sarah's death, that Isaac encouraged his dad to get back with Hagar, whose name was Keturah. Others believe he got back with Hagar and also married Keturah. If you look in 25, 10, and 11, it says... Uh, Man, I got the wrong verse here, but it tells the, it told uh, how old he was when he died. Oh, in verse 17. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael. No, that's Ishmael. Okay, in verse 7. After the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, a hundred three score and 15 years old. A score is 20. That'd be 160 plus 15. He lived to be 175. 
And he married this woman, Keturah. Now, the Muslims say that Keturah, some of them say Keturah was actually Hagar. And others said, no, Keturah was a different woman, but he also got back with Hagar. And what happened is that he, he went over to Mecca. And Mecca, there was a shrine there in Mecca where over 360 gods were worshipped. And Abraham, being monotheistic, got rid of all of them. He built the monastery, or not a monastery, he built the establishment there in Mecca called the Kaaba, K-A-A-B-A, and he's the one that introduced uh, the, the, the requirement that all Arabs, will, once in their life, would make a pilgrimage to or all Islam, Islamic people, not all Arabs are Islamic. But, but the Muslim people, Muslim and Islam, Islam is a religion, Muslim is the people of that religion, that they would make a, a pilgrimage to Mecca. And uh, we know that not to be true. Uh, spiritually, how much time do I have here? Spiritually, the Jewish people are not a children of God, and we briefly mentioned that. Uh, let's look in let's look in Galatians chapter three. Okay, in Galatians three. We're children. By faith. We're children by faith. Galatians 3.26 For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now go with me over to Romans chapter 2. I guess I should give you some background here. They always told us, they always told us in school when we was in sports that the best defense is a good offense. And so I want to mention all the positive things. But there are, uh, there's, there's, a, there's um, a group in religion called the Covenant, the Covenant Theologians. A lot of the Calvinists, the Presbyterian, they all believe, they believe that the promises, that the promises to Israel have been transferred to the church. And when they say church, they mean universal church. The promise to Israel have been lost to the nation and the people of Israel, and they, they have come to the church. And one of, the, one of the verses they utilize in saying that is in, here in Romans chapter 2 and verse 28. He's using circumcision here as the idea of our hearts have been circumcised and not the physical circumcised. Therefore, if, verse 26, Therefore, if the uncircumcised keep the righteous of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. Okay. In uh, verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And then in chapter 9 and verse 8, he says, That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. And so, 
he, he's, they see that verse and it says, he's not a Jew who is born physically a Jew, but he's a Jew which is one that's been reborn, been saved. And so they say, right there it is. The physical descendants of Abraham are not really Jews. And the promises don't apply to them, but they apply only to the church and to us. But if, you, but if you study the scriptures, there is definitely promises given to the physical seed of Abraham. And there's also a, a way that we can become children of God and looked upon in a spiritual sense as Jews by being saved. Now, an important verse in that argument is chapter 11 and verse 1. Paul foresees... A misunderstanding. He says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. And that really can translate, may it never be. For I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. And then, Drop down to verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, a nation, a people, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Point six down at the bottom. All Israel, that is the Jewish people, physically, will one day be saved and occupy the land forever. Three times Israel has been dispossessed from their land. Their sojourn in Egypt, in Genesis 15. The captivity by Assyria and Babylon, in Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12. And the dispersion that took place following 70 AD. You realize that from 70 AD to 1947, Israel did not have a land. They were dispersed throughout all the world. And as we talked about last week, what, what is a testimony to God and to the actually of the Bible, but to God, is that the Jews never assimilated into all these other cultures. Some married into their cultures, but as a people group, the Jews have remained always the Jews. God has kept them that way. And as we read there, if the sun quits shining and the moon and stars quit coming out and the tides quit working, then they'll no longer be a people. But that hasn't stopped and they're still a people. And God still has a, a plan for them. And so Israel will be brought back to their land for one final time to stay. And uh, if you look here in, in chapter... Um, let's see in chapter 11 here of Romans in verse 25 in Romans chapter 11 verse 25 for I would not brethren that ye should be ignorant of the mystery lest ye should be wise in their own conceit that the blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and so there's a time there's a time uh, that you need to understand there's a time of the Gentiles and then there's and then there's a time also called of Jacob's trouble and that's going to be tribulation time but but he said he said don't as as Gentiles don't be getting too uppity uppity saying that you're better than the Jews because God's not through with them and, and look what and look what the next verse says and so, all Israel, the people of Israel, the, the physical people of Israel, for all Israel shall be saved, as is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And then look in Zechariah, there, uh, 
and Zechariah Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah is right before it. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I'll pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace. This is, this is at the, this, this time period is Armageddon. And I'll pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And in that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. We're going to talk more in, a, in future lessons about Armageddon, but what's going to happen, it seems outstanding, but what's going to happen, all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world are going to go down to Jerusalem and Judea and wipe them off. And one of those nations is going to have 200 million soldiers. It comes from the east. Google it. How many soldiers in China today? You know what pops up? 200 million. There's going to be soldiers all over that place. And Israel... It's not going to be defeated. They're going to note event after event after event. After, it shouldn't be happening. They're going to see that something's happening here that's beyond us because Israel now, they, they are resting on their technology. They, they got the atomic bomb. Don't think they don't. They got submarines setting off the coast of Gaza today. They have great armament and they're pretty wise and they're pretty smart and they're undercover but they're going to come to a place where they can't depend one percent upon their heads and they're going to see that God was in this and they're going to they're going to realize this is the one who we refuse to believe in Remember, it says, uh, well, I, I won't ruin that lesson. But, but they're going to grieve that they haven't believed him. They're going to look upon him who is pierced. And in that moment in time, Israel, as a people group, are going to receive Christ as their Savior. And so one day they're coming. One of the things I wanted to point out to you in this appendix here is kind of about, it's about how the Arabs viewed the land, but this was kind of amazing to me in the first part of the appendix. Islam not only regards the land of Israel as being holy, but also acknowledges it having once been given by God to the Jewish people. This is unmistakable in the Quran. And he said, the Quran says, O my people, said Moses to the children of Israel, enter the holy land which Allah has ordained for you and turn not your backs for then you will be turned back losers. Well, what they, what, what, how, how the Muslims claim the right to Israel is that they said, they said uh, God brought them back from the Egyptian bondage. God gave them kings and gave them priests, and then they began to serve idols. And God took them into Babylonian captivity. And one thing, too, the Babylonian captivity did, after Israel came out of the Babylonian captivity, they never worshipped idols again. God broke them. But then they said, God gave them a second chance. And that's when, and that, and that's when they re rejected Jesus Christ. They would say as a prophet and not as God. But when they rejected Jesus Christ, the Romans came and, and they tore down Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and the people, people of Israel scattered. God gave them a second chance and they're through. This property's ours. We're on it. And so they claim it by saying that Israel don't deserve it. And so they war against them. One of the problems, one of the reasons why they wore two, not only do they want to annihilate them, but one of the reasons why they wore two 
and you'll see in this little, little appendix, is that they see that Israel, as a people group and as a nation, are prospering. Their technology is great. The industry is great. The armaments are great. And uh, the people in Lebanon, uh, a, it's a, we have our missionaries there in Lebanon. It's a dysfunctional country. The people in Syria, how long has that, that civil war been going? And they, and they get this idea, if God is, is our God and Allah is the one that's really the real God and, and this land is ours, why aren't we being blessed and Israel being blessed? And so they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hammer them to the ground and we're going to destroy them. And that's going to prove that Allah is God. So that's one of the reasons they're warring too. But that's not going to happen. And so that's a little bit of background. Next week, next week um, we're going to talk about when does this happen? When does Israel get all the land that God has offered to them? And that's going to get into the, that's going to get into the war of Armageddon. And then our, our final lesson is where, when this takes place, where are you and I going to be? I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, there's lots of verses, but, uh, and there's some really gory stuff, but one of the things, he says he's going to send, when this war takes place, he's going to send a plague, and the eyes will melt out of their heads, their tongues will melt in their mouth, and their ears will be messed up, and God does some pretty horrendous things. Where are we going to be? Well, I, I won't tell you that. <laughs> okay? I've enjoyed studying this, but I, I hope that I don't get so involved in details that we don't realize that there's a powerful God, and He's made some promises, and He will keep them, and we get to be a part of ruling and reigning when he comes back again. All right, you're dismissed.